to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com thanks for tuning in sluts and scholars is a sex positive shame-free educational podcast where we try to help you talk smart and fuck smarter while we love to give advice and resources please note that this podcast or any emails from us are not intended to be therapy or a replacement for therapy Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And this week, I am so excited to welcome Goddess Coco Meow. They are professional, yes, <laughs> professional dominatrix at Atlanta Dungeon and fetish esthetician, which we will talk about, and lead instructor at Atlanta Sissy Feminization Academy. Uh, her temperaments range from sensual to sadistic, and her signature is infusing spa treatments with BDSM and kink. Welcome. Um, goddess coco thank you hey goddess coco aka earth that's awesome yes i've already fangirled about that name but i'll do it again because i think it's (laughs) it's so perfect um okay so what is a fetish esthetician like tell me more about this because when i think esthetician i think facialist and not the semen on your face kind of facialist but you know skincare yeah skincare so it's pretty much a like a skincare practice where you infuse bdsm kink with the treatment So, for instance, if I have a client who wants to come in and wants a Brazilian wax, I will gag them. I will strap them to the bed, you know, things to help them kind of just like release the tension from the service. Um, And so especially for folks who've had their first wax, (laughs) um, gagging is like go to actually what um, kind of enticed this whole gagging thing was like years ago, probably 2016. I was working at European Wax Center and I had a client who always wanted me to put a paper towel roll in her mouth. And so then I was like, oh, and that kind of flipped the switch for me. And after that, like, yeah, I just started to like develop that more. So I do a BDSM facial similarly to that. Like, so you can add like light bondage and other sensation play, things like that. I do. Wait, other- I've, li- I've literally been doing this to myself for years. I think I talked about it on the podcast before, but waxing fucking hurts. <laughs> and whenever I get a bikini wax or they're waxing my butt, I always try to close my eyes and pretend I'm getting spanked during mm-hmm. like a kink BDSM scene. And in my head, I'm like, yes, thank you, sir, or mm-hmm. ma'am, or whatever it is. Yeah. And obviously, I don't say it out loud to the esthetician because they'd be like, what the fuck is happening? Right. But I love this because then it's making it fun and playful and not just awkward and yeah yeah because it's so important and also like to like me as a sexuality professional and as a licensed esthetician like i didn't want to compartmentalize myself anymore so like i've already i've had a menu for a long time and it's been within the last two years that i've really been just really like actually practicing it so i do an electro play facial too so folks that are into electro play so the galvanic current um if you've been to like a spa and you've had a facial and you've seen a facial machine so there is this um implement that they use that pretty much you know kills the uh toxins using a galvanic current and like it's the same implements that you use in electroplay so if you've seen the neon wand or um if you've seen um the violet wand those are that's a a, a machine that estheticians naturally use so i add that to electroplay and do sensation play and different things like that with the service um And even like, I'm thinking of like cupping too, like when people Mm -hmm. have heard of cupping and if you don't know what that is, it's like a, 
uh, I guess, a therapy technique for the body where they use either a glass or a plastic cup that basically, like, sucks the blood up to create healing in that area. I don't know if I'm explaining this right, but that's that's what I know it as. But I've also seen people do it at sex parties, like, just for fun. But I imagine even if you're doing it for fun, you get some of the same results. Yeah, so it's, you know, what people don't understand is electroplay is really good for um, killing bacteria on the skin. So if you have like any uh, pustules or breakouts and things like acneic skin, it helps to alleviate that. Um, and yeah, so like you're getting the, the sh- of course, the shock from the electrostimulation, but it also does benefit the skin. Um, so it, it it's a dual kind of benefit. And so like I just highlight that more and like and in, like incorporating bondage or like cystification is one of those services that is connected to me as a fetish esthetician so i talk about like um like of course like reclaiming grooming because people have a lot of trauma connected to grooming right we know that the grooming from the sense of being traumatized or like um you know a lot of people talk about you know their trauma as a young person and being groomed by an adult or you know things like that and so i'm reclaiming yeah when i when i hear that word i think of someone who has been sexually abused as yeah. a, a young uh, young or any age person and that yeah. and the the abuser taking the time to really um confuse gaslight yeah. and sort of create this um secret space yeah. for the abuse to happen yeah so like a lot of mental ma- manipulation and um a lot of abuse that way and so for me, I'm reclaiming that um, as, a, as a person who has experienced trauma as a young person and also witness other folks experience that and also as a healer. So I'm reclaiming and getting back to like, you know, really um, understanding our body. Like it's a form of somatic healing. It's a form of like bridging intimacy and learning, you know, what my like my own personal troubles are with intimacy, but also helping other folks work through that. Um, and so like reclaiming grooming, like, you know, if you like look up the, the definition, like grooming is about like make like a, a process to like allow your skin, hair, nails, whatever the body to look nice. Right. And so, yes, there's uh, that's that definition. So I'm reclaiming it. Um, you know, how we reclaim words like bitch or witch or slut or all these words. Slut, cunt, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we reclaim these for an empowering and beautiful uh, means to exist. And so that's the same thing I'm doing with grooming like getting back to like how do you create intimacy with you and a loved one a partner play partner marriage whatever and how do you like create intimacy with like caring like you know grooming each other literally like caring for each other's hair or or combing each other's hair or putting lotion on each other or just like you know really caring for the body and adorning the body as a form as a, a ritual to create intimacy yeah i mean one of the first things that uh trauma clients of mine experience usually is they stop taking care of their body. Um, and so what, again, if you've listened to the podcast before, you've heard me say this, but if you're tuning in for the first time, I cannot have this broad definition of trauma as like anything that overwhelms the nervous system. But most people who have experienced that, um, being in their body is uncomfortable or they have some negative feelings towards their body or they hate their body or they're like my body they blame themselves my body is the reason this happened to me or my body is the cause of all this anguish and so one of the first things to go for for trauma folks is the way they take care of themselves that could be brushing your teeth that could be showering that could be um the way that you dress and so it makes so much sense what you're saying that that like to make it this self-care ritual as a rec- reclamation, reclamation of self-love. Yeah, self-love, self, and like honestly, like reminding yourself. To me, like I do beauty rituals every day, every morning and evening. It's to remind myself that like I deserve to be in this body, 
I deserve pleasure as a pleasure activist. It's like, you know, I deserve to feel good in my body, especially as a black queer person. It's like reminding me, you know, when you have these messages from like trauma or society or even negative self-talk, it reminds me that I exist in this body. I, this body is has a right to feel pleasure. This body has a right to feel good. This body has a, a, a right to look good, you know, whatever that is for me. And um, it's just my um, self-determination. Like it's it's a a way of self-determination. And so obviously you worked in the beauty industry before. What Mm -hmm. were some of the things that you saw that were missing for folks of color, for queer people? Like what were the gaps in the mainstream beauty industry? Um, I think a lot of it is just like this, um, this like capitalistic energy where for me, like a beauty professional is a healer. A lot of people tell me about personal intimate information. Um, they come, you know, to release or like they, they come just to just be and like have a listening ear or like camaraderie. And so I felt like that alone camaraderie and care and all those things were missing because it was all about selling a lipstick or who's wearing this or, you know, like very kind of like catty <laughs> very catty like yeah. bullshit. so it was like skipping the healing from yeah, the connection like, piece mm-hmm, like missing the healing missing like the whole the whole purpose of like the energy exchange and like just the therapeutic and ritual essence around that and i feel like that's why people go to an esthetician or a beauty professional hairstylist whatever massage therapist is because they want those things you know it's a place of healing and honestly is a place of connecting and camaraderie i'm a cheerleader for people i love being a cheerleader for people i love facilitating people to get into an aesthetic a look a vibe a feel um that they're trying to accomplish or even like you know encouraging folks to try different looks aesthetics whatever clothing items whatever it is you know um especially the feminization it's like also like for people to honor um different parts of their identity and like different energies that they already have that have been repressed especially like cis men who love to play with you know girl shoes or because i feel like all clothing can be used for any gender anybody but you know we live in a very heteronormative society so it's like these men who like yeah like they tell me a lot how they grew up like wearing their sister's shoes or like trying on their mom's wigs or like really loving makeup and so like just being a a, a, a practitioner who supports and like you know um celebrates that you know and celebrate and like that inner child, you know, um, healing. Mm-hmm. Because that, that's for me, a lot of the feminization and my experience has been a lot of like inner child wound healing and, you know, having a place to really, um, to, to like honor that as an adult. Yeah, I mean, the shoot, the amount of times that I've like cried on the massage or the acupuncture table because I, like some mm-hmm. part of my body was like being touched and releasing something, like we carry this shit in our bodies. And so, I'm wondering what kinds of things have you seen people release or feel or experience when you have done some of this uh, like fetish aesthetic work on them? Um, very much so su- like surprised, like, like, uh, like almost like, you know, um, bracing themselves afterwards for like the experience they just had. Like they can't believe that they like were able to do that. Um, mm-hmm. Or like they can't believe that like there's a, a practitioner that actually like um, supports that. Um honors their pronouns, you know, supports, you know, it's very much so like a surreal, like you see that on their face, like very surreal. Um, a lot of people that are sad, a lot of people that are scared, um, you know, wanting to make sure it's very discreet, you know, especially the feminization, very discreet. And like, I honor that. Um, so it's like a spectrum of emotion, but like, as you know, I see the client over like ongoing, 
then it becomes like liberation. And when you see somebody live like liberated and then they tell you stories about, oh, yeah, I did this. Or I was able to have this conversation or even seeing the confidence and like their posture change. To me, it's like that's that somatic process. And so before we get into like a little more of what is like sissy feminization stuff, like mm-hmm. just like a logistical question, like do you see clients like just for like waxing and things like that? Or is it always part of the the kink experience? So I do, um, like, I you can come in for, like, just aesthetics, but I do a fetish add-on. So, like, every service uh, that I provide has, has a potential for a fetish add-on. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Okay, so we've used this word a couple times, feminization, and you use the word sissy. Um, t- tell folks a little more about, like, what that is in general, mm-hmm. and then I, I would love to hear more about how that looks in, in session. Yeah, so a sissy play or a feminization is... Uh, really primarily when you see like a lot of cis men that are into cross-dressing um, or want to have a full makeover and experience um, their femininity in, in that cross-dressing way. Or it could be just like wanting to um, public humiliation. Some people see this as a form of degradation. So there's clients that are like, you know, sweet, just want the experience and play and have the lightheartedness. And there's folks who want um, to do it for humiliation um, some folks are into blackmail, things like that. Um, so it depends on the nuance of the, the client, but mostly it's like cross-dressing and um, full-body makeovers and that incorporates makeup, wigs. I do the waxing, lashes, everything. We do sleepovers. We do outings, lunches, picnics. I do all types of stuff with the sissies, um, photo shoots, stuff like that. So, Yeah. And what do you think is going on for folks who are interested in that? And I'm asking because I did a paper quite some time ago about um, consensual non-consent fantasies, like mm-hmm. uh, rape, rape fantasies. Mm-hmm. And some of the older research says that a lot of cis women especially, they found that they like this fantasy because it releases them from the quote-unquote shame of having the desire themselves they're like oh well somebody a man forced me to do this dirty thing that i actually really like to do and so not that everyone who's into cross-dressing or sissy play is trans or necessarily on the trans non-binary spectrum but i do wonder if you think like are folks do you think folks are mostly into it because they're just looking for someone to either force them or give them permission to do this thing that they want to do but they can't give themselves permission i think it's a little bit of both i think some folks want to be forced and some you know i think a lot of it is just like for me because i get a shit ton of sissy inquiries and you know a lot of them are just people like you know they just want the like the um kind of like this like cat and mouse feel like oh, i just i just messaged a person or like i just took the first step not really wanting to engage you get a lot of that right and then mm-hmm. you get the folks that are like i su- i really am ready for this and sissies are finicky my experience with sissy inquiries are so finicky and it's a lot of fear right and mm-hmm. so it's getting over that fertile of this is like any other form of kink bdsm play whatever you get what you want out of it and then also getting past that first inquiry so that way you can get into the nuance of what it is that you're interested in a lot of these the initial inquiries like folks don't really know what they're into they just like the idea of it or like they're doing something dirty or secretive and whatever that's cool mm-hmm. you get a lot of inquiries around this idea of force forcing me to look like a girl and going out in public but then they want a lot of strap play with that and i think it's like wanting to be a forced into submission and for folks who don't know strap play meaning strap on play yeah mm, okay strap on play so with- like being yeah being penetrated 
and mm-hmm. as, as sort of like a in a like your submissive if yeah. you're being penetrated kind of way which it doesn't have to mean that right. but in this way it does yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so that definitely i don't think being penetrated is inherently submissive but for those folks who into sissy play and want that that's that's mm-hmm. what, what they identify as like i guess like the cherry on the submission is like the yeah. strap on play and yeah i think it's like every i think you get a little bit of everything um i think like it's so funny to me because i get so many weird inquiries like like a lot of them i tell them like either i decide to reply or i don't but i'm like this is like for real racist <laughs> like the things that you're saying or like the idea of big black cock or like i want to like you know submit to big bbc can you be bbc for me or like i want to be one of those like the weirdest one one of the weirdest ones was like i want to be um one of those uh i want to be one of those men that transition to those white girls that think they're black or try to act black and i'm like okay this is really weird or like he's like yeah i have a, i'm married like i have a black wife and she's in denial about this and i'm like this is too deep for me this is like really weird mm-hmm. um like, yeah i was gonna ask where does where does race fit in and, and how do you handle that with these inquiries yeah i kind of just like now i just ignore them like the guy who said that i was like please have your wife reach out to me. She needs some support. Like, 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 please. And he's just like, like screamed and then like, like blocked me. And I, cause I was just like, I was centering her. I'm like, this is weird. If like, this is just like this dynamic, she probably needs some support. And so I kind of just ignore it. I I think that race play, like as a a black person, I feel like race play is always a part of the dynamic. So I don't exclude race from anything. Of course, there's like... Because it's always there. Yeah. Of course, like there's some like direct and intense types of race play. And like, I do, I upcharge for that. Um, Some folks are like, no race play. But like, for me, it's like, in order to be, to understand power, submission, also like terminology, like slave, like all these things is definitely connected to um a past and a history that can be ignored but like the attention and like i think a lot of black kinksters um with like the love care and consideration all these things like it's also um allowing us to reclaim and um and understand power in a different way um because when once uh, uh talking about race once i was like you think you're this but you're a black femme and you're like literally doing this stuff to white men da, 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 da. and i'm like I'm not holding anyone against their will. I didn't say this time I ignored it, but I'm just like, this is not the same thing. Me having a kink, a uh, consensual kink relationship with someone is not me being the same as what white people did to black folks holding, you know, that's mm-hmm. not the same, uh, holding folks against their mm-hmm. will. That's not the same thing. And so yeah. he was trying to like correlate the two and I'm like, this, see, this is the problem. <laughs> this is weird. Yeah. And so there's yeah. a lot of, you know, and then also it's like a lot of cis white men that I'm, you know, dealing with. Of course I have like, my black community and kinksters and folks that I play with and we have that dynamic and sometimes you know in the in the pro because I do lifestyle and pro but in the pro world it's like a lot of white men and of course I get like the men of color but it's like half and half and like the white men um I just always think about the race play because you know I I always think about power dynamics because that's just yeah because it's there Mm -hmm. yeah and for folks listening who don't know um pro is like paid play you know where people pay for these like uh experiences that we were talking about and lifestyle is like personal life Mm -hmm. um right yeah this episode is sponsored in part by dipsy for listeners of the show dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash s and s one thing i talk about a lot with my clients is being responsible for your own desire and arousal patterns One way to do that is by finding ways to get into your erotic energy way before you have partnered sex and experiences. 
Consider it like a slow simmer on the stove. Enter Dipsy. Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories designed to turn you on. The stories are diverse, immersive, and there's new content happening weekly. This episode talks a lot about doing things with intention, so even setting aside a few minutes for yourself to listen to Dipsy can be a great pleasure ritual, an act of self-care and self-love. Dipsy also has wellness sessions, sensual bedtime stories, and soundscapes for bedtime, so they have something for everyone. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash S&S. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash S-A-N-D-S, dipsystories.com slash S&S. And if you decide you want to self-pleasure during or after listening to Dipsy, check out my favorite pleasure tools by Satisfier. Satisfier is offering lucky listeners 30% off any Satisfier when you go to Satisfier with a Y dot com and enter code S&S30 at checkout. One of my rituals is self-pleasure. Sometimes my intention in using my satisfier is just for pleasure and fun, like an escape from reality. Sometimes it's to help me feel better about or in my body. And sometimes it's just an extra tool that I use with a partner. The options are endless. Satisfier makes beautiful vibrators and air pulse stimulators with cutting edge technology at pretty affordable prices, especially with that discount. Satisfier has Bluetooth abilities so you can connect your device and even share it with a partner. In these crazy times, distance often disconnects people, but Satisfier's app lets you control each other's pleasure devices, privately message, and see each other's responses in real time. You can connect with someone in another room or around the world. Right now, I'm really liking the dual pleasure, but seriously, each new device that comes out is an even better experience, at least for me personally. And Satisfier is offering listeners 30% off any Satisfier when you go to Satisfier.com and enter code S&S30 at checkout. Again, if you're looking for one of our new favorite devices, go to S-A-T-I-S-F-Y-E-R, Satisfier.com, and use code S-A-N-D-S30 for 30% off. Now, back to the episode. Coming back a little bit to the, like, feminization and sissy stuff, Mm -hmm. um, of course, every scene, every experience looks different, but, like, walk me through an example of, like, what that time with you would look like for someone who's coming in for that. So, um, it depends. Now I offer, um, like, folks who've never had a sissy experience or been in the dungeon, I offer a virtual uh, session, so we'll do, like, one or two virtual sessions to get comfortable no one's like, I'm not, you know, really giving many directives. I'm just like, we're kind of going out over their fetish form. I'm asking them context into like, how did they begin um, their sissy journey or like what made them really want to give it a try now? And like, you know, just like feeling out each other's vibe. Um, and that has helped. It made folks more comfortable than when they get to the dungeon. So I always do, um, I do a lot of different things. So there's like a whole menu, but I start with, um, with worship. So we talk, we do a lot of like worship and like training. So I, you know, teach them how you speak to me, how you sit. Um, we do etiquette as far as like walk, talk. Um, even when we do the virtual sessions first, I have them do homework and like YouTube and like they do voice lessons and they practice their walk. Um, sometimes I'll have them like have their arms bondaged behind them and then practice on their walk because they walk better. Um, and then when I have their hands free and then they walk, then it's like even a better walk. So like the, trying to get them to like, really focus on certain parts of their body and how they embody things then we go into the sissy room because Atlanta dungeon we have different rooms and our sissy room is fully equipped with wigs uh, corsets shoes lingerie everything 
Um, mm-hmm. And so spa spa equipment. Yeah, spa equipment. And so we, um, you know, we start to do the actual transformation. So like I, I like to start off with a little bit of everything um, so that like they're in the mindset. Then I do yeah. the tra- like transformation, the physical transformation, and then we focus on the certain parts more intricately. Um, this might this might sound like a confusing question, but how do you stay dominant when you are providing a beauty service? Um, Does that make sense? Like, yeah. I think sometimes people think of beauty services and they think of like, well, I'm paying you to do this service to me, like kind of like then- service copy. Yeah, or like it's almost, I guess I'm thinking of just like spa stuff in in Los Angeles in like Mm -hmm. a beauty culture and like Beverly Hills where someone goes and it's like a wealthy person being Mm -hmm. like, you are serving me and doing this thing, right? Mm -hmm. And so how is this kind of like, how do you sort of switch the energy like where you're dominant, you're holding the space, but you're also caring for the person in this Um, lovely way? um, It's definitely kind of like a, I think of, I guess to explain to someone who has no experience, it's kind of like role play. Um, mm-hmm. So like they, I definitely, I talk assertive. I tell them what to do. I tell them how to wear things. I tell them where to put their hands. Like mm-hmm. it's very much so like, I, like I'm saying what we are doing when we're doing it. Um, don't walk this fast, walk this slow or, yeah. you know, sit, walk, focus, focus on your posture, look in the mirror this yeah. way. I tell them, okay, put these shoes on. That doesn't work. Try these shoes on. And it is very definitely like um, kind of like a, a sergeant in a way, like in, in that I mean, way. if if anyone listening has ever been to a Korean spa and gotten the body scrub, you will know like that there's so many dynamic ways to do this and have them yell at you to like turn over and spread mm-hmm. your legs and throw yeah, you around. It's very that. <laughs> it's very that. Um, very assertive. Um, and so, yeah, so I don't also I'm not like I don't come in with a framework of like their. Um, like I'm serving them. Like, I don't think of it as as a service top. And like, that's kind of like the slippery slope for some folks. It's like, when you're doing this, it's like, I'm not a service top. I'm a dom. And if you're not here for that, then we're not compatible. And so I like, mm-hmm. that's why the fetish form is important to like the whole process. So that way you're like understanding what the dynamic, the power dynamics are. Everyone consents to that. Even when it's like consensual, mm-hmm. non-consent, like getting understanding around that. Um, and of course, like negotiation is always open for me. It's ongoing and progressive in my practice. And so like after a session, we can, you know, revisit and we can talk about those things. Um, but yeah, I'm running the show. Like you have, you have something that you want to experience and you have to trust me as a facilitator to guide you through that. Yeah. And have you ever had anyone just like break down during the session because this was the first time they ever got to give themselves permission to experience anything like this. I can imagine it's very healing for some people. Um, yeah, I, I see it a lot in post-care because like I'm very intentional about um, the aftercare and all of that. And so after like a session, you definitely see that like a lot of nervousness, um, a lot of like, you know, it, of course. Yeah, like you just saw them so raw in this like vulnerable mm-hmm. part of themselves. Yeah. Um, and just like, you know, at first it's just like a lot of like still kind of fear in them, but like after like time goes on, like say, so you know, it's the aftercare, and then I have them touch base with me via email a couple days later. Um, and we're also give people the option of doing like a video chat depending on how um they're feeling in their bodies. But um it's, it goes from fear, like slowly goes from fear to liberation or fear to like more understanding or fear 
to um, self-acceptance. So there's like a gradual progression in my little cat. <laughs> kitty. And yeah, you definitely see a gradual progression. It's it's different from person to person, but you see a lot of fear at first. And like, it's like they're excited, but still you feel like the nervousness within them. And that's like, especially for like first timers. Yeah. I mean, even the when I think of the word like feminization or sissification, like it holds, like you were saying, for sort of mainstream, it sort of holds this um, de- degrading component, mm-hmm. which it says a lot about our society, right? That like something that is feminine or sissy is maybe like a negative mm-hmm. thing. Um, and then I imagine, too, for most cisgendered men, meaning not trans men, um, there's not a lot of permission to engage in these like beauty self-love rituals or anything right. like that. Right. Um, and so a lot of people don't have that outlet to, to do any of that and take care of, take care of themselves at all. They don't. Cause like also too, like, you know, in my non kink life, you know, I am, I, I talk to, so I work at a wax studio a couple times a week. So that's like, of course not fetish stuff. And I'm surrounded by, you know. Is it hard not to, like, take on that role when you're there trying to wax people? Um, <laughs> of, like, can I gag well, I you? I mean, I've had, to, like, some <laughs> tissue in some girl's mouth before because she just needed And I didn't have a gag and, like, she needed something to bite down on. So I just, like, roll up tissue and, like, and keep going because I'm like, girl, we have a time limit. Um, but, there, but there's also stigma that, like, folks put on people about perceived gender or what gender is or what roles are. Because, like, I'll hear girls talk about, like, Oh, like, you know, recently we just started talking about like sex and stuff like that. And like some of the girls was like, oh, like, I don't if, if my man like wants uh, anal play, we can't do that. Uh, men don't. That's not manly or some shit like that. And I'm just like, y'all men becoming a bitches like me because this is weird. Like the fact that you think that somebody being into ass play makes them not a man is what is the problem with this world? And why folks like me exist? Because like that is just not real. Like I, that's just not a that just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. It's just so hard to, to mm-hmm. accept. And then I think it's hard for folks who haven't had a lot of sex education to not like take it personally yeah. or to not be threatened by like, Oh, well this means you're leaving me for someone with a penis or whatever it is. Yeah. And it's just like, gosh, I'm like, talk about wanting to be in a loving, long lasting relationship. How can people be in long loving lasting relationships? They can't even be themselves. Mm-hmm. Or like, even if like, being themselves is like, oh, I get this me met from someone else. You can't even be like transparent about that. That's why like the idea of cheating or like lying in relationships happen so often because people have to hide. And so it's my hopes that, you know, I can offer the release I can for folks to embody um, and experience um, this type of kink and BDSM in a, in a safe and consensual and, you know, pr- like, progressive way because it's you're always learning stuff and growing and implementing different things and um like of course with like the outings and stuff is so fun and like having someone fully dressed up and they get to like experience that and like so it's just like wild i'm like if we as a culture want to have you know more fruitful relationships like do we really want our partners to be fully who they are but like we would have to be able to do that on our own too like because i can't I can't hold space for someone to fully be who they are if I'm not holding space for myself to do the fan. Mm. What's been most helpful for you and maybe your own journey or supporting people in that to be more fully who they are? Like, I, what are some things that you found to be helpful? Um, journaling. Like, I have this sex journaling process with folks. 
Um, I also have a Patreon where I like have resources for people. So there's like also like this theory learning um, component to the work and then a processing um, and then also just like holding space for like those moments that are difficult. Um, And so, you know, that's why I incorporate like beauty rituals, journaling. Um, I also do audio journaling or like archiving. So like um, encouragement or um, mood boarding, like inspiration and different things like that. And also screaming. Like I met this person who is a kinky, but also like hosts screen parties. So like anything that you're harboring or holding, like they go out into like the woods or a place that like you can actually scream. People won't think there's something wrong. And like <laughs> they just scream and it's just like, Oh, what the, that type of release is just, yeah, this was like an old school approach in therapy, but I still think there's some like valid stuff in there of like letting it, letting it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I don't know, scribbling, like my brother is like, he's autistic and he's like, when he's stressed out, he likes to draw, like sometimes he just scribbles on paper. So like, get it like, just like, I pull from like my real life experiences. Cause I really started to like dig deep into this after like, you know, my mother was really dealing with depression and like caring for herself, you know, was something that she just like started to dwindle. Like, you know, with people who are traumatized, they start to stop caring for their bodies and things like that. Yeah. And like, you know, me as an esthetician, I was just like looking at that and I was like, what are ways that like, you know, healing can really be beneficial, even if like my mom doesn't want to experience it with me, obviously, because I'm her child. But like, I need to really think about this in my personal practice um, for myself and just for like for myself and, you know, just as a as a person who cares about healing, you know. Well, I think it comes back to this like old. Crappy, not sustainable belief that like. Uh, beauty, self-care, things like that are a privilege and not mm. like a human right or an, right. Act of resist- or an act of resistance as I talked to in a past episode with Cameron Glover about, which everyone should, should listen. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I- I'm curious about what things maybe inspired you to mm-hmm. take this approach to it because obviously there's a lot of um, anti-oppression work and anti-racism work and um, reclaiming work and what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so like what, what inspired you to really want to combine these things and, and reclaim self-care and beauty? Um, honestly, it was like me healing myself, like, and me, like the things that I'm facilitating folks through, like me actually doing it on my own and like yeah. healing my own traumas and like, you know, really like empowering myself um and so like a lot of these tools are things that i actively learned on my own taught myself or like really was seeking um and then Mm -hmm. i didn't find like you know an esthetician that really had this kind of knowledge you know i was around estheticians but they like it wasn't this healing center type or anchor type of practice Mm -hmm. and so like then i was like i don't want to do that and working in the beauty industry and seeing like and like me seeing what I needed, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, oh, I need this. So I'm like, sure, there's other people that need it. And so be like being able to be a practitioner is like, I saw what was missing. And like, also like I did the work on my own and now I'm creating a space for other folks to get those types of needs met. And like, hopefully I'll be able to train other estheticians. Maybe they're not doing fetish stuff, but like teaching them like more healing, um, like modalities within their practice. Yeah. And I know you get paid the big bucks for this, so I don't want to make you work work more than <laughs> you need to for free. But like, um, if we were to like dom our listeners for a second, mm-hmm. what might you invite them to do to practice or start a beauty ritual routine? Like, mm-hmm. like you were talking about this routine you have day and yeah. night. Mm-hmm. Um, 
any tips for how folks can kind of start that in a small way um, to, I will to say begin that, that practice? Yeah. So folks that are listening, this is what you need to do. You need yes. to give yourself <laughs> the time. Yes, goddess, so, tell me. Yeah. So if you got like 10 minutes, you got 10 minutes. I don't care. Like you can try to pretend like you don't. People act like they're so fucking busy. You ain't that busy to care for yourself. So you have 10 fucking minutes in the morning and in the evening. Even if you just are dry brushing your skin, exfoliation, do that. Even if you're just brushing your teeth with intention, and taking your time and flossing because <laughs> you know that's slippery slope for folks flossing <laughs> um using mouthwash whatever it is that you have with intention right so it's like literally i see the mouthwash i put it here i have my toothbrush i i have love and and i'm affirmations into the toothbrush because honestly brushing your teeth is about throat chakra healing and I can say that as a person who dealt with, you know, and like teeth and, and mouth issues or, and like even speaking your truth is definitely connected yeah. to that. So when you brush your teeth, think about cleaning all the bullshit that you say to yourself or someone has said to you and you are getting that out of your throat chakra. Yeah. And the stuff that you want to say, yes. like even like humming mm -hmm. while you do it. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm also ADHD. So stimming and humming is something that I do. But yeah. with that intention, even if you only have time to brush your teeth and wash your face, do it with intention. I think about drinking water. You're cleansing the bullshit out of your body. Like some, like that's the way that that's the way I've been able to actually drink water. It's like I'm like when I, as I'm drinking, I'm like visualizing myself like cleansing all of the bullshit, the toxins, whatever energy, whatever language, whatever I heard, whatever image. Like I'm cleaning it out of my body. Yeah. And so like that, you have to have that intention. That's what makes it a ritual. Intention is what makes it a ritual. So whatever, if you're brushing your teeth, washing your face, exfoliating, dry brushing, you know, like saying affirmations to yourself as you're literally dry brushing or cleansing yourself in the shower with intention, you know, no, even 10 minutes, you can do 10 minutes can be with intention. I got to feel like, yeah. you know, time or yourself. shit. It sounds like just 30 seconds of drinking water, right? Mm -hmm. Like just taking it slow, yes. pretending like you're doing it for the first time, like even mm -hmm. 30 seconds. Like if you, if you really don't have 10 minutes, which yeah, like, you do, maybe I don't believe you like <laughs> 30, start with 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, for me, it's like, the, the ritual, even if you have to time yourself, because I've had to do that in times, because I can be like, you know, um, my time management can be off sometimes. So time yourself on your phone or whatever, whatever you have, and give yourself that 10 minutes to brush your teeth with intention. Give yourself that 15, 20 minutes in the shower with intention and think about, you know, and saying affirmations. Maybe you put affirmations on your mirror and do mirror meditations and repeat the affirmations on your post-it notes in the mirror for 10 minutes or 30 seconds or whatever it is that you have. Um, those are things you can do to start. And then as you progress, then you, you know, then you do that. And I have, you know, read my blogs, go to my website. I have other things um, on there that may help. But yeah, you have to start with the I things mean, that you do already. You mentioned you mentioned ADHD brain, and I can certainly resonate with that as can a lot of my clients. Um, what helps you maintain this practice? Because mm -hmm. ADHD brain comes in and it's easy for things to fall through the cracks. What's mm -hmm. been helpful for you to like try to keep it and maintain it and get back on track when you forget? Um, for me, I'm like, literally, I just try to do the, the, the bare minimum and like be excited about that. I got through that. Cause like executive functioning, you know, disorders or issues is real. And so for me, the way that I stay consistent and like routine, like a lot of folks with ADHD, like need routine. And so for me, like, I literally know that I'm always going to brush my teeth, wash my face, chant and drink a smoothie. Those are the things that I like always do i always am like you know i have like my products and things like that that i use and like i'm yeah. always trying to do things with intention but i have to do that 
or like I literally can't function and like the, and I see the difference like I'll like yeah. you know whatever I need to I also play music as soon as I wake up because that gets my energy in a better like I have to play a song that I like usually I play selection radio or something that's kind of like loungy and sexy and so it gives me in a good mood and I'll like you know lay in bed if I get on my phone, which I'm trying not to, if I get on my phone, I try to not to like begrudge it and like know that it's a practice. These things are a practice. It takes time and effort and intention. And so the more that I do it, the easier it will become. But I don't like I, now as, you know, a more informed person, I don't get down on myself if like I missed it one day or if, like, no, this is a practice. So I'm like, I'm going to try it this evening or I'm going to try it the next morning or whatever. I don't guilt myself and try to like, cause that depletes you from like, the energy yeah. you could use to actually do it. So like I, ha- I start my music, I put music on because that's the only way look I really can get up. <laughs> and then I go to the bathroom, I brush my teeth, wash my yeah. face, do that whole beauty ritual. I like use my oils and my toners and things like that. And I take the time to do that. And then I make a smoothie and I come back and I, you know, I'm into a chanting and meditation and Buddhist practices. So I chant for as long as I can, 10 or 15 minutes, even if it's that or longer. And then I go about my day. And if I don't do those things, then I feel um, not centered. So it's like yeah. anything that makes me feel good and centered in my body, I try to do every day. Effort. I mean, it it's, it sounds so much better than a lot of uh, a lot of my mornings, which is like it's so hard not to get right on your phone, mm-hmm. you know, and and just torture yourself with like the social media drudge of stuff. Um, but yeah, I think that um, that negative self talk punishing cycle is so hard for folks to get out of like not acknowledging the small things that they do and then judging themselves for it and hating them for it and then I mean shit like if you did something and you were like oh that took a lot and I'm so proud of myself and someone was like so what like that's lame it's not gonna make you want to do it again so if you do that to yourself you're certainly not gonna get better like the shame doesn't work sometimes it works for like short-term change but it's not good for lasting shifts no and i'm sorry if you can hear like them working they just start drilling by my window i'm sorry um <laughs> of course that all, that is the life we live in now <laughs> i know i'm like sorry if you can hear that but um yeah it's like first of all I also think about me like negative self-talk and things like that should have like, said it was just like ambient dungeon noises right <laughs> right that, that that's a lot better <laughs> yeah. i'm so sorry somebody like the gimp is getting drilled in the right. other room like, i don't know right. what to tell you i think too like as a person who has suffered from a verbal abuse sometimes like also like the negative self-talk feels comfortable for me because like i'm i'm used to that so i've learned mm-hmm. that like sometimes like if like that's why bdsm and kink is a form of healing so like if i need you know to experience that with intention like degradation can be a good way to heal and process that and they'll be like wow this has been used to degrade like this has been used to harm me but like also how can i like how can i use degradation to process like some negative self-talk or like needing to be degraded sometimes due to trauma and i'm trying to work through that so like i try to utilize having intentional degradation moments so i don't do as much negative self-talk and um harm in that Mm. way so what you mean by that is like doing degradation, but in like a um, mindful way that's sort of like a, a reclaiming kink way. Yeah. So that way I'm like yeah. not always doing that because like it's still a part like, you know, we always are dealing with our traumas. Like it, it's not linear, like the healing is not linear. So if it comes up and I'm like, then I'm like, oh, like I probably need to have an intentional degradation session because I'm still like that is still like that part of like my trauma is coming up and I need to work through it. And yeah. so and the the difference is in the intentional one you are in control. So you're reclaiming 
that space, kind of like someone who's had sexual assault and now they fantasize about non-consensual non-consent or rape play is in that fantasy, you're in control, right? You're kind of reclaiming it as yours. Yep. And so when it comes to like doing these things, my day-to-day things, um, I always think about like, I always think about the things that I'm doing, good or bad. How can I make them? How can I like utilize them in a way that actually is promoting healing? I'm actually working through the, the icky stuff that's causing me to feel uncomfortable or to do it unconsciously and cause myself harm. Like, how can I reclaim that and make it something that actually is going to help and empower me? And so, like, the negative self-talk if I'm doing things and I'm like, oh, you didn't do this. Da, da, da. So I'm like, okay, I need to, like, set aside. I need to make time for that part of me that is still in process. Uh, well, I have loved having you on and I want everyone to hire you for sessions um, and get you things on your wish list or whatever yes. you need to make this happen. Um, so how can folks uh, contribute, submit, um, all the things? So at my website, um, cocomeow.net, there's so many ways to contribute, to tribute. And that's K-O-C-O. Yep, K-O-C-O, meow, dot net. And um, yeah, so there's like a Cash App, Venmo, there's Wishlist, um, there's Clip Sites, um, which I'm getting more into my like clip energy because like I've had so many people ask me for clips and I kind of didn't really focus on that because I was doing so much in real life stuff. So clip, um, you'll see more clips of me doing and like showing people what fetish aesthetics is and like different stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I have a Patreon if you're a person that wants like a little bit more theory and I have an intimate group now that I'm supporting. Um, so if you're looking for that, there's Patreon. So it's patreon.com slash Coco Meow. And yeah, find me on Twitter, Instagram. Everything is Coco Meow, K-O-C-O. I'm out here in these streets. <laughs> well, I have so loved having you and this is awesome. And I, I like can't wait to, um, send clients your way um and to check out your uh your spa kinky spa menu um and for folks uh, listening again if you want to know what i'm doing you can follow me on instagram at sluts and scholars but who knows how long instagram will let me be there uh twitter at uh sluts scholars and safest bet would be just to uh subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and don't forget to rate and review because it really helps and make sure you check out those advertiser discounts uh and see y'all next week.